0: and you want to increase your manifestation abilities at the same time, you've come to the right place. Let's get started.
1: Hello and welcome back to the You Do Woo Podcast. I am your host, Alison Cullen, and I'm so glad you're here. I'm really excited for this episode. I met this beautiful soul a few months ago when I was in Nashville, Tennessee for one of my best friend's weddings. And we immediately connected because I think I was talking about human design to someone and she was like, What's that? And I was explaining it to her and she was like, Well, I do Enneagram. Like I'm an Enneagram specialist. And I was like, Oh my God, you have to come on my podcast because I always get people. Who are new to human design to ask me questions about the Enneagram and how they're similar and how they're different and all of that. And I literally don't know hardly anything about the Enneagram. So I feel like I manifested Georgia into my life (laughs) because we needed a resident Enneagram specialist. And we've got interesting schedules the next few weeks and over the summer. She's getting ready to fly off to Europe for. Week or so, and I'm leaving in 11 days for Portugal. But once we get back and get settled and and school starts and all that kind of stuff, she's going to be hearing this for the first time. But I'm going to reach out to her about (laughs) collaborating in some way and sort of doing like a joint little almost mini course or something so everybody can learn about human design and the Enneagram and see how they're similar and they're different. But in this episode, we just dove into the Enneagram. And what I love about Georgia, okay, first of all, before I do anything else, pause this right now, go to the show notes, go give Georgia a follow on Instagram. Check out her website if you want to, but you can do that later too. I have both linked in the show notes below. So give her a follow. She's so fun to follow on Instagram and you're just going to enjoy it, especially if you're listening to this in real time and you'll get to see all of her travel adventures. Anyways,
0: pause for that
1: side note. What I love about Georgia is I've read several books on the Enneagram several years ago. I'm an eight. I forget what my wing is. She thinks it might be a seven, but I'm going to do a session with her and like dive deep into this, which I highly recommend all of you guys doing if this episode resonates with you. But she brings so many different modalities into her Enneagram coaching. So people always ask me, they're like, "What are the main difference between Enneagram and Human Design?" And I'm like, "Well, in Human Design, you go put in your birth date, almost like your astrology natal chart. So you can't really mess up. Like your type is your type for sure if you have your birth date right, right? And with Enneagram, sometimes it's like a test that you go take online, and you can." Manipulate the test based on your answers of what you think you are rather than what you subconsciously are and what motivates you. So, Georgia uses the Enneagram in a very different way than I've heard anyone else using it. She does, I think it's called the narrative style, and she explains that. So, basically, you can't screw up choosing the wrong type for you. Like, she will make sure based on the questions that you answer for her, she'll know your type. And she's been doing like she's been into the Enneagram and studying it for decades. So honestly, I know the Enneagram is like a hot thing right now. (laughs) She talks about that. But this gal is the one that you're going to want to go to to learn about yourself if you're resonating with the Enneagram in this episode we do talk quite a bit about the different modalities she uses um, how she uses the Enneagram for individuals for couples for businesses it's so fascinating all that she is able to do for people and we also do a deep dive into the type 8 so if you're an eight this is really awesome for you if you're any of the other types I mean if you're an eight still go book a session with Georgia but If you're any of the other types, you're not going to get a deep dive in this episode on your type, but we do talk about some of the other ones and just what you can utilize the information to do and to like improve your life, help you tap into your authentic self. And it's funny because it's very similar to human design in going through a process of unlearning and deconditioning and getting rid of all of the societal constructs that created this almost fake you or ego you and figure out what actually truly motivates you from a soul level. It's a really fun conversation. It's a beautiful conversation. Georgia is freaking amazing. She's one of my favorite guests that I've ever had on the podcast. I just adore her and I want to go spend more time with her. And I'm excited to do a deep dive with her on my Enneagram type and figure out my wing and all of that kind of stuff. So listen in. If you're not connected with me, give me a follow on Instagram at you do woo. Just say hi And tell me that you're new and that you found me through this podcast. And if you're not connected with Georgia yet, go give her a follow and DM her and tell her that you heard her on the You Do Woo podcast. And if you are new to Human Design, go back and listen to episode 92 from last week, the one right before this, because it gives you a deep dive into all of that. You can see if it resonates with you. If you're new to Enneagram, give Georgia a follow, DM her if you feel like booking a session with her, please do. I will put all of that info in the show notes below. And I just hope you enjoy this. It's a pretty short episode. I think it's like 35 or 40 minutes, but it is a really amazing conversation and deep dive into the Enneagram. So enjoy. I'm so excited. Y'all are going to be obsessed with my guest for today. I met Miss Georgia White a few months ago at one of my best friend's weddings in Nashville. Nashville sort of my past life place because I used to work in the music industry. And we were sitting by each other at dinner at some point and she was talking about what she does and she's an Enneagram specialist. Oh, my God. Literally every week, a few times a week, I get people reaching out being like, I'm this in the Enneagram. What am I in human design? And I'm like, I don't know. And I don't know hardly anything about Enneagram. So I manifested you coming into my life to come and teach us all about the Enneagram. Welcome, Georgia, to the You Do Woo podcast.
2: Hey there. I'm happy to be here. And it was laughing that night when i heard what you do and you were like god you've got to come you've got to be on the podcast i'm like oh i'll be on the podcast yeah that's awesome
1: it's so funny too cuz my my friend ashley that is our friend in common we have a group thread with two of our other best friends and the group is named 6789 because we're <laughs> i fr- which one is ashley do you remember she's a 6 she's, she's a six. A six. yeah I think our friend Reagan is a seven, I'm an eight, and Kim is a nine. I think, I think, I think. Anyways, y'all don't care. But it's funny because we created that like four or five years ago when we were reading an Enneagram book together, and I was all excited about it. And it's really fascinating. But I think I got married, got pregnant, and just haven't tapped back into it. So I'm excited to learn more. I just, I always think that not everybody resonates with astrology or human design or other different tools. And so I like to always provide my clients different tools to choose from, to figure out what they resonate with the most, to just sort of get to know themselves better and be able to tweak certain things in their life to make life easier for them. And also to like release judgment of them, you know, oh, yeah, of Absolutely. So I think I'm excited for our conversation. So tell us a little bit about you. How long have you been an Enneagram specialist? How'd you get into that?
2: I bumped into the Enneagram several times. First book I ever saw was right out of college. I'm not going to tell you when that was. (laughs) Um, But I was at a different place in life and I thought it was, you know, cultish or something bad, you know, or whatever. But no, probably about 15 years ago, it came back around and I was just in a spot in my life where... Well, really the bottom had fallen out of it in all the good ways and looking at stepping into, I guess, the beginning of the second half of my life. And it provided just a rich material to really help me understand myself and become more self-aware and more self-compassionate. I mean, it's, it's been transformative for me and um, the popularity of it in the last few years is a tiny bit irritating. Simply because, I mean, it's sacred to, I mean, it's to, I'm sure it's like you are with human design, you know, it's like, this is not a dinner party game. It's not just information and knowledge. I mean, it can be, and I will say I use it in businesses. I go in, I work with teams, communication and conflict, and a baseline understanding of the Enneagram can do good. It really can. It can help you know what your spouse is. It can help you know what your kids are, you know, and, and be able to better relate and be more compassionate. However, at its core, it is a tool to really transmute these patterns that we talk about, the type structure. It's not who you are. That seeded, coded essence that you come into the world with is obscured by all of these things. But these patterns really, they helped us survive. But at some point in adulthood, they begin to be a barrier between us and that space that allows our true most authentic self to rise. And I think we each have a unique gift to bring that's particular to us. And so I love learning about this and taking that knowledge and using it as leverage for transformation. That's really what I love about it.
1: I love that in human design, we call that deconditioning or unlearning all of the societal conditioning that you grew up with. They always say that it takes like seven years to unlearn it. Which, I mean, I'm like three years in and I'm like, okay, maybe at first so long, I was like, I don't know, I will do it really fast. And I'm like, this is something all of these unlearnings take a while to peel sl- oh, yeah. back that onion layer or whatever. So I think that was a beautiful explanation of the Enneagram. I think there's a few misconceptions too. I don't remember what website I used to look up my number Okay, I'm an eight. I just found out you're an eight also. Well, we might have talked about it that night. That was a long time ago. But so we're both eights on the Enneagram. At one point, I wanted to change myself to a seven and I went to go try to take the quiz again and make it a seven. Explain to us why sometimes those tests aren't correct and what you do instead.
2: You're looking at unconscious patterning. So, you know, the things that we do, the patterns, the narrative, the loop the story we tell ourselves, whatever you want to call it, the lens through which we see the world. Like it's, it's not conscious. Like this is just, we, we see it as who I am. We think it's integral. And so when you sit down with a test and there are some great, I mean, there's some good tests. This is what I say about tests. First of all, they're about 60, 65% correct in typing because That's just it. We are not conscious. And sure, the tests are made to try to help us ask the right questions. But we often answer, especially some some types, often answer based on who we would like to be or what our ideal is. And then once somebody sees that number, that top number, you're like, no, I'm a this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. No matter how many times I can meet with somebody in a session and it is so evident they are not a this It's so difficult to undo that. So what What I tell people, OK, if you take a test, then you need to take the top three or four and you really need to do a dive and you need to be curious and you need to go and learn what's your home base. What do you resonate with the most? So I'm trained in the narrative tradition. And in the narrative tradition, we listen to your story. So we do a thing called a typing interview and people are always like a typewriter. I'm like, no, silly. We interview you, ask you questions and we listen to your story. And the Enneagram is unique in that it is not about behavior, you know, strength finders, you know, Myers-Briggs, you know, disc that's really okay. This is how you behave. And so this is the, this is your lane or this is a good job for you. Uh, The Enneagram is about motivation. It's what's under that behavior that is so significant that helps determine type. And so we do a typing interview. I sit with you for an hour, ask you questions, and we talk about things. I listen and observe. And then at the end of that, I'll say, you know, listen, Allison, based on what we've said today, I really think you should be curious about type eight and type Seven. And then I'll send them information on those types and say, you know, let me know if you have any questions and nail it down because it is, it is significant because it's your doorway into seeing your patterns. You know, I thought it was too nice to be an eight for a while. And (laughs) I thought, gosh, I must be a two, but it's like, no. Like uh, my energy is so eight and I am eight. And as eights really learn to take that armor off and learn to be vulnerable, we can be very giving and generous and magnanimous even like a two and two and eight is connected. Like there's so many different things, but it's so helpful. If I'm looking for two patterns in my life, I'm like, dude, I'm I'm doing good. I mean, you start to think, you're looking for the wrong things. You're looking to notice things that really are not yours. And if you, you know, as an eight, you know, I, I readily see my patterns every single day. They don't run me and hijack me like they used to. I'm much more compassionate toward myself when I do see them. But it is so it's important to have a the correct door, the correct starting point.
1: Yeah. Okay. It would take quite a while to go through all of there's nine numbers, right? They're nine types. Correct. Okay. Nine types. And then everybody has two wings. Explain that to me. Basically that's another way to help confirm your type
2: other than that, you know, and just knowing it about yourself. So for instance, as an eight, I could have a nine wing because wings are like this, you know, like birds on either side. So, you know, people say, Oh, I'm a three with an eight wing. I'm like, no, you're not. No. No, you're, you're a three with a two wing or four wing or both. Some people don't really resonate with either wing and some people do. I'm an eight with a strong seven wing. Okay. Yeah. And so that's a wing. And then beyond that, there are also, as human beings, we have the three main instincts, self-preservation, sexual, and social. And those instincts really flavor what an eight like. A sexual ape looks very different from a social ape. Yeah, it's so much more nuanced than people want it to be. We just jump to that stereotypical, this is what, you know, an ape is. And it's just not, um, that's one of the things that caution people.
1: I'm going to have to book a session with you <laughs> for that. And I don't know what my husband is. And I just feel like that would be so helpful. Do you do you do like couples?
2: Yeah, I do couples. It's, I think it's great to do I mean, if somebody knows their type, that's great. But to really come in knowing their type and then discuss really how these two, where they bump into issues and where there could be pitfalls and you know how they can really drive together. you know, Yeah, it's really helpful. And I've said this so many times, self-awareness, it's a superpower. Like for, for me to, to be in a place that I am Teflon and not Velcro. So no matter what you say and do, It doesn't stick to me. Like I know that that's you Mm -hmm. and when I can see it as doesn't mean I don't reflect on it or or see any truth for me in it, but I don't go around taking everyone personally and that's huge, especially in a marriage.
1: Yes. I feel like the way that you're describing this, I feel like the Enneagram can be an amazing tool for anybody who's, shows any signs of codependency, which I think is most humans.
3: humans,
1: yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Of course the trash men come right now in an extra loud truck. But <laughs> I just feel like people don't realize, and I didn't realize for a long time, how much those codependent patterns of like taking on people's stuff, being defensive, taking everything personally, taking on people's emotions, not being able to say this is mine and this is yours. It's so energetically draining.
2: Yes, it is. It's so, so draining. And certain types are far more prone to that type of relationship and in different ways. And so it's really fascinating. And it's so helpful to know, oh gosh, you know, I'm trying to do all these things in this relationship so that I can get the attachment piece, this, I use another modality called internal family systems that Mm -hmm. I really love. And anything that really can help us see ourselves as we are and help us live in the present moment, seeing reality as it is, Mm -hmm. (laughs) not through our patterning or our lens. I mean, I'm like, yes. I mean, to me, that is incredibly healing. And that's my goal. So I find this stuff incredibly hopeful, but when you read your description, you'll be like, Oh my gosh, I don't want to be that. And I'm going to say to you, you're not that Yeah, you're, you, these are patterns and Mm -hmm. just how little Allison got through the world. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, but when we, when we're big, big people, they don't serve us and we can really miss being, in the present.
1: But it's so crazy too, because what's running the show is your little, little person.
2: Those little, you're so correct. That's exactly right. Those parts of us that are stuck somewhere else that are hijacking us. And, and again, like when you are not capable of pausing and recognizing I'm hooked, Mm -hmm. you know, the loop is running. I told a guy last week, I said, listen, i try to ask myself when i feel activated what story are you telling yourself right now you know just a tiny pause to create a little bit of space for our authentic self to rise makes all the difference in the world
1: yeah okay selfishly i know that it's very nuanced and it's so cool because i've listened to a lot of podcasts on the enneagram with different enneagram teachers and stuff and i love how first of all, that you work with a lot of different modalities and like combining things together. I think that's so important. And two, that you're like, it's way more nuanced than just being like, you're an eight. So you're these three things, you know, uh, every human's so different. Oh, Radically. But can you give us a rundown of like the basics of what you normally see in eights? So I can like go tap in and get a refresher on this.
2: Yeah, it, the type eight is a, a challenger archetype. It's a constant pushback. You know, it's pushing back on things as they are because they are not as they should be.
1: Oh my god!
2: <laughs> and it is just this real desire for truth yeah. and justice. The eight has really big energy. Oftentimes, eights will have people say, "Oh my gosh, I was so intimidated by you," okay. and I'm thinking, "What?" But it, it's really like, it's just a big energy, you know, and eight has this sense of being larger than life, like I can do anything, because so much of our identity is wrapped up in being
3: strong.
2: Yep. You know, we are the protector, think of the mama bear, you know, if they're underdog, we want to, we will cut you. <laughs> it, our people, our tribe, like we are, don't, mess with my people at the same time that desire to be strong the thing that we avoid is being vulnerable
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and I don't mean vulnerable in the sense of like sharing my feelings I mean vulnerable in the sense that I don't want to be in a place where I can be hurt Mm -hmm. or controlled or boxed in even so type a is up in the body center so we're really gut intuitive we have a very close relationship with anger, you know, and keep in mind that anger is not a bad thing. It is an energy. However, for eights, it is so familiar and so easily accessible that we can scare the hoo-ha out of people. Even when we're just talking about something, we're so, you know, there's so much energy in that, that it's like, God, quit yelling at me. Like, God, you're yeah. so aggressive. You're so harsh. And so we have to be mindful of that but you know, for an eight, it's about power and control. You know, I don't want anybody to have power over me where they could hurt me or my people. Uh, I want, I don't necessarily want to be in control, but whoever is in control, if they are not fair and equitable, I will step in. Mm -hmm. Um, Like that's just, but that whole, the whole mechanism for the eight is I am strong. Weakness is bad. Mm -hmm. And so I will, and, and, and really the part that keeps that in play is denial Mm -hmm. and and it's a denial of, um, my need as a human being, you know, a desire, because I am, I think that hold the world together. It's on, you know, think of Atlas, like I carry the world. If I stumble, the whole thing's going to fall apart, you know, and, um, and it can make an aid really armored up. Hmm. And underneath that armor is truly a a magnanimous heart, just this big, generous, giving heart. But an eight can be vengeful, um, you know, angry. Um, It's not a great thing to be an eight and a female in the South. Right. (laughs) I'm in Uh,
1: Texas and you're in Tennessee.
2: Yeah. In the South, in the church, in Southern culture, And the patriarchy, I mean, the whole nine yards, it is, we get a really bad rap. And most eight girls grow up thinking everything that is true of who they are is bad.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like my Um, my word was bossy and that was bad. Yeah,
2: that's right. And, you know, but we, I don't know, I'm trying not to curse. But you can't, you're allowed to. Okay. We get shit done. I mean, we make things happen. The problem is we think we can do anything and we won't consider sometimes the consequence. You know, it's a go big, go home. And, and lust, it's just a more, you know, more of everything. But um, yeah, eights are not fond of weakness in other people or in themselves. And it is just, but a healthy eight, uh, what an advocate. Injustice breaks our heart. We, we will fight for those, the least of these. And I mean, I have a special needs daughter. I mean, it is, it's amazing, you know, but it, so there's so, there's so much good that an eight brings if we're actually showing up in the present with the innocence of a child and letting things be as they are and bringing our gifts instead of trying to control and handle so that we aren't hurt. So it's just a, you know, it's, there's so many things. And then an eight, you said you feel like maybe you've got some seven.
1: Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a seven.
2: (laughs) Well, you probably have a lot of seven, you know, um, the fun, the, you know, eye for beauty and, and creativity and ideas and, you know, just sevens are adventurous, you know, sevens don't like to be fenced in. So you put, I don't want to be fenced in with, I want more. And, you know, I mean, you can get both some strong, you know, things to deal with, as well as some lovely qualities that, you know, sevens are very charming, you know, and so those seven, eights with a strong seven wing tend to be, you know, a little, I don't know, warmer, like just a little easier in the social atmosphere, especially, but then you look at instincts, and that can all add a whole nother layer. I mean, it's just endless the things that you can learn about yourself.
1: You're the first Enneagram specialist that has talked about that instincts, um, the what were you saying, like sexual and social? They're
2: they're basically
1: all of humanity. You know, we there's self-preservation, we had
2: to stay alive. Mm-hmm. They're sexual, we had to reproduce. And social, we had to li- learn to work together to thrive. And Ultimately, what you hope is those three instincts will have some level of balance in your life. However, generally speaking, we each have a dominant instinct. We have one that's just kind of there and we don't even, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. right in the middle. I use my arm, you know, my hand. Our dominant instinct is the one that can get us in trouble. My elbow is like, you know, and then there's this one that just, yeah, it's part of our life. And I'm thinking about it. And then we have our upper arm, and it's a blind spot. Mm-hmm. And the blind spot, you know, you want to you want to know it because you need to be mindful of it. So for me, my primary um, dominant instinct is social. That's one of the reasons I look like a two. And um, social eights are much softer. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're warmer. They are concerned about not just their tribe, but all of. You know, it's, so it's a really different thing. And my blind spot is self-preservation. I mean, um, add that to denial and you have why I remain closeted as long as I did. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like, I'm not thinking about self-preservation, caring for and thinking for myself. Yeah. I'm thinking for my people. Yeah. And so it's just another, um, another level of understanding. And it's super important in relationships.
1: I mean, we'll have to do a deep dive, just you and I, but hearing you talk about it, I think that my main one is self-preservation, which is why I can sometimes get so defensive. It's like, I'm literally physically being attacked. If somebody, especially my husband, doesn't agree
0: <laughs> with me on something. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Or it feels very personal.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I totally get that. And and it's interesting. I think I'm gonna do a series on on the instincts. And um I don't know if I'll do it as a class. And but I um they're so fascinating and it's so interesting how um it affects that particular type structure.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know? and it's you know you've got a self-pres eight. And then a social seven, let's say that are married, you know, the social sevens, like let's have company, let's have people over, or let's go to Susie's for the barbecue. And the, the self press eight is like, I want to be in my home, have everything like co- like cozy around me. And like, this is where I, this is where I am. This is where I want to be. And so you have this real pull. Mm. It's not that the eight is antisocial, though they can be you know but it's it's a doubled up with the 7 outward and their social and then for the 8 who can be armored and then is self pres again so you have to be able to recognize be compassionate with yourself and be compassionate with and understanding with your spouse
1: yeah yeah explain to us a little bit like an the instinct like a sexual instinct what is that
2: yeah people get um kind of sideways about sexual uh i mean the bottom line is the sexual instinct is about reproducing in the sense of let just think in, in, in terms of legacy like in what you're you were bringing to the world what you're leaving to the world but it it is very defined by this attraction yeah. like it's like almost like a dee, 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 dee. Yeah. like People who have, and my, my sexual instinct is pretty high. And when I walk in a room, I can often know, I want to talk to this person. I want to connect with this. I do not want to connect with this person. And there's, there's a pull and it's amazing how often you're attracted to another person with a sexual instinct. And it's this commonality and this coming together. It's not, I want to sleep with you. Yeah. Yeah. But there's this this very one-on-one distinct attraction, a pull to that. And it's to reproduce in some way. Create. But not, yes, but not in a, in a sexual way. And, and honestly, like it is so difficult to articulate the instincts in, in a way, especially in a little tiny spot. yeah. But yeah, where social broader, obviously, and self president is home. And um, yeah, they kind of break down in zones. And so there's a lot to really consider. And it's really interesting.
1: When you're explaining the sexual instinct in human design, we call that sp- splenic, splenic instinct. Mm. Uh-huh. And it's almost like you're, uh, not everybody ha I mean, everybody, I think, has it, but more people are tapped into it. Um, and it's almost like a spidey sense. And you have this, like, you know, my husband has this, I don't feel like I tap into mine very much, but it's like a, that not that I don't think people are good or bad. I don't like, but you can tell if somebody's good for you or not. Like you're like this, I have, I smell a rat. Like this isn't a good situation, you know? Um, and he, I've learned to respect him and trust him when he has those like splenic hits of yeah. okay because we'll sometimes like just go into a restaurant and he's like this we got to leave here like it's not okay i'm like okay <laughs> like with a three-year-old like having yeah. go to go else
0: <laughs> but it's it's
1: great when you know your sort of little superpowers and your partner's superpowers and being able to trust each other in that so that's so crazy because that really really is feels very similar to the splenic splenic authority yeah, um, and,
2: and, and certainly could be so it's really I'm sure there's so many things like that with you know because it's like that with internal family systems and the Enneagram and parts and patterns and you know um, it's um, you know I think just what you said you know I don't think there's any good or bad I mean I really do that that core essence of who we are is it's good there's no Enneagram type that's better than the other you know Mm -hmm. I mean culturally like I said about an eight woman you know culturally type three is an achiever Mm -hmm. we live in a very dominant free culture in America capitalism is a very dominant free system Mm -hmm. and so um People can think that certain types are better than others, but they are not.
1: It also reminds me a little bit of doing shadow work. Have you done shadow work? Yeah. yeah. And it is it, it, it
2: is in the sense of, um, and, and especially um, IFS, mm-hmm. you know, but dealing with um, those things that we exiled that we push down, that we put aside, that we um really go back and tend to?
1: Yeah, like in my twenties, I think especially I tried so hard, especially in social situations, not to be bossy mm-hmm. because I had put being bossy in my shadow and that wasn't okay um especially growing up in the church and it's like you are quiet and nice and you make you know the people pleasing conditioning or whatever and so I would be that way and then anytime I would drink it was like extreme angry bossy lady you know so I can totally tap like I can totally resonate with the anger stuff and I think that's something I'm working on now like I took a whole year off of drinking and really had to work. Watch that anger come up without alcohol, because it can definitely come up with alcohol, you oh, know. Sure. Um, but it came up without alcohol, and that was a totally different experience, um, and sort of scary because I was able to soberly see myself get so angry. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm working on right now is noticing the anger and not not shaming myself for yeah. the anger. Yeah. Um, and transmuting it into something that's beneficial. Like
2: uh-huh.
1: I don't know, how do you work with anger? You're your-
2: well, I think exactly. I mean, what you just said is beautiful. It's an energy and it's how we use it, it's what we do with it. Mm-hmm. And but it can, if it if it's driving the ship, we're gonna mow over people. We are gonna, I mean, and there's going to be a, a swath of bodies behind us. Yeah. And versus taking that energy and channeling it, transmuting it, like that alchemy that happens when we're present and, and are living through and using it for, say justice. Mm-hmm. It should keep me up at night, mm-hmm. <laughs> the things that I know and see and hear. And so yeah, I believe it's it's a very different thing. and to see it soberly is really powerful. And for an eight, there's such a forward movement. That we can move so quickly, it almost feels out of body, and then boom, we're like, I "Can't believe I said that! I can't yep. believe I said that! I can't believe I did that!" And so, being aware um, of that tendency and knowing, you know, the things that activate, and two, just being able to accept things as they are and know that not everything is mine to fix. Yeah, one hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Okay, so. If somebody is an eight, then they got a deep dive into, into
0: all of this. But a little bit. Um,
1: obviously, if you're an eight, still get with Georgia. But for everybody else, how can people connect with you and work with you?
2: Um, I think you're going to give them my info, correct? Instagram
1: or website.
2: Yes. And I work with individuals. Uh, I do like the thing I talked about, a typing interview to help you really nail down your type. I meet with individuals um, to do what I call self self-led mm-hmm. coaching and basically, I think you're the wisest person for you. I help you create that space so that you can see things with more clarity, mm-hmm. compassion, and courage, all the things. and so and then I work with businesses. I go in and work with teams uh, on communication, feedback, conflict. Um, and it's, it's really helpful for teams, um, especially with a lot of folks coming back into the office. And um, it's just like I think I said this to you, that simple understanding is a lot that can make you, um, can change the way. It's a super shift from the way that you view that coworker that you want to choke, you know? Yeah. Going, oh, you mean people see the world differently than I do? Ah, okay. I guess I can be dismissive. Yes. No wonder she wants to sit and ask me how my weekend was. So yes, it's just a little bit of information that gives you some insight. And so I do all of those things um, and love it. So yeah. And you can you can book a session, uh, individual session. I go with gals on, you know, their girls trips, yeah, and and we talk about the Enneagram the whole time, and I uh, teach there. Um, I go over to, I went over Friday night um, to a woman's house. There were six of them, and we did dinner and talked about the Enneagram, you okay. know, for four hours. So yeah, I mean, I love any setting basically. Um, it's I, I think this world one of the best things we can be doing is healing our own stuff Mm -hmm. and um, being more compassionate to ourselves and compassionate toward each other. So
1: I feel like, so one of my favorite uh, therapists, I am almost, I almost am done getting my master's in counseling. I took a break. I'm going to go back and finish it. But um, Carl Rogers is one of my favorite people to learn from, he's dead now, I think, but um, he talks about, there's some quote he has, and I'm gonna butcher it, but it talks about how you can't truly change until you accept and love yourself where how you are now. And I feel like that just lines up so perfectly because so much of the work is just accepting how you are yourself and other people, you know?
2: Yeah, it's that's so true and so beautiful. One of my teachers um, made the comment when we were in training uh, years ago, self-awareness cannot outpace self-acceptance.
1: Mm, I love that.
2: And it was really, truly had such a tremendous impact on me because I really thought I was using like a, some of my development, some of my uh, work in a way that was more, um, spiritual bypass, you know, I'm going to be this the best and highest self so that I don't have to deal with this. Yep. And it was like, Oh, wow. I cannot, you know, I, I there, and you do the work to accept yourself. And that's really where real compassion comes from. You know, if we aren't compassionate to ourselves, it's nonsense to think that we're going to be able to be compassionate toward others. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. I could talk to you for another hour, (laughs) but I, um, I'm going to put all of your information, everybody go and check out, scroll down and check out the show notes, connect with Georgia on Instagram. You can go visit her website to book with her, probably DM her with any questions that you have at all. Um, I would highly recommend doing a session and getting the narrative, you know, test done. I'm going to have to do that with you it's just so fascinating and i really do if you i'm going to be learning more about this from georgia so if you go do a session with her and then you want to see how it applies to your human design chart you can dm me and stuff maybe sometime down the road we can do like a combined webinar about this that'd be amazing people can dig in but um thank you so much for coming on the you do woo podcast i appreciate it So much. I know that this is going to be one of the most popular episodes because Enneagram's so hot right now. (laughs) And I just really think, you know, there's so many teachers that you could go and learn from. But Georgia is so wise, has been working with the Enneagram for so long, and just really incorporates so many aspects of subconscious and all of the different psychological tools that are out there into this. So it's not just like going and reading an, an Enneagram book. I feel like you do a really good job of personalizing it for people. So
2: thank you. Well, thanks for having me. I really, uh, I'm honored to be here. So I uh, look forward to doing it again, maybe.
1: So I know we might have to do a follow-up episode after I, you know, come to you and find out what make sure that I'm really an eight and find out my wing and all, all of that kind of stuff. So <laughs> it's, I'm pretty sure I'm an eight. Yeah. you got, you've got some pretty
2: strong eight energy, babe.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I know now why I didn't want to be, <laughs> wanted to be a seven instead. Yeah, but it's it
2: yeah. And, and, and just one, one note of caution for for folks is the tendency almost immediately when you hear something like this, and I'm sure it's that way with human design is, Oh my gosh, I need to get so-and-so to do that. I want to know what so-and-so is.
1: Well, you got to do your own stuff first. Do
2: your own work. You know, don't, you know, people are like, how can I be a better parent? I'm like, do your work. That's what you can do. Exactly. How can my marriage be better? Do your work. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it is um, start at home, girls, boys.
1: I know. I, I have like a parenting masterclass and I'm like, I don't want you taking my parenting masterclass until you've worked on your own chart for like three months. Then go look up your kids and do the parenting masterclass because their energy will change when you start working on yourself.
2: That is so true. As the mother of three adults, yes, (laughs)
1: ma'am. All right, Georgia, we'll have you back soon. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you so very much for tuning in to another episode of You Do Woo. I know that you already have a very full life and that there are literally millions of podcasts that you could be listening to. So I'm super grateful to you for being a loyal listener. And I'm so grateful for you sharing your favorite episodes with friends and family members. That is how we are able to serve more people and raise the collective consciousness and Really get the word out on a bunch of these fun spiritual topics that we're talking about. I would love to connect with you. Send me a DM on Instagram at you do woo, all one word. I'd love to hear how you loved today's episode and just a little bit about you. I can't wait to connect.
2: Another Sound Off Media Company
0: podcast. Come on a journey like no other